0: Good evening, everybody. How is everybody this week doing? Fantastical. That's great to hear. Well, as Brian already told you guys, tonight we're starting a brand new series. It's called In the Ring Battling Life's Relationships. Now, the reason why we titled this is like what Brian said relationships, good relationships, aren't just given, you've got to fight for them. They're not easy, they're difficult. And tonight, we're going to focus on friendship. But before we can focus on friendship, we need to focus on ourselves. And you might ask me, I mean, why? Why do you focus on yourself? Isn't friendship between two people? I mean, friendship normally between two people, unless you have an imaginary friend, and then that's a little weird, but we'll talk about that at a different time. (laughs) But the goal in this series, guys, the goal is to make you guys the best possible agent no matter any type of relationship you're in in your life. Whether it's with your parents, with your teachers, with your friends, eventually one day with your future husband or wife, and even your relationship with God, our goal is to point you to the scriptures, to see what the scriptures have to say about you being the best possible vessel in those relationships. So in order to do that, we need to focus on ourselves. If you have your Bible, we're going to be jumping all over the place tonight. But the first place we're going to be is Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12, if you've got your Bible, turn it in there. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I used to run cross country. Do we have any runners in here? Anybody run? It's not for, it's not for the faint of heart, as you may know. It's a little difficult. But running, um, when I was a freshman in high school, we went, every Saturday morning we would do a long run. But the first long run we ever did, we went and did it at this place called Trout Creek, which is these trails, these, this big, huge network of trails in Tampa. And it's so easy to get lost on them. Like, if you don't know where you're going in those trails, you're going to get lost. And I was a freshman, and so obviously I didn't know where I was going because I had never been there before. So I get there, and I'm running, but I'm just following the group. I mean, the group knows. The group has seniors. They've been there before. They know where they're going, so I just followed them. So we're running, and we get about a mile in, and nature calls. And I need to take a little break and use the bathroom. But I'm like, oh, I can't stop. If I stop, then... I'm not gonna know where I'm going. I'm gonna be lost out here all day. And so I'm running. I'm like, guys, can we like stop? No, we're not stopping. We wanna get better. Can someone stop me? I need to go to the bathroom. And this guy who's a senior, he's like, yeah, man, I'll stop with you. I was like, well, do you know where to go? Do you know how the trail works? Yeah, 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 I know how to go. I've been here a billion times. I was like, okay. So I'm thinking, okay, this is gonna take 30 seconds and I'm back into my run. So I go and I veer off into this little trail and I hit this thorn patch. Like, have you ever seen those thorns that just like stick to you? And then it's like you're trying to get them off. And it's like you're like disarming a bomb. You're like, oh, no. It's like, mm. And like, you're like, so after like 10 minutes of that, I finally get off on a path to go to the bathroom. And I get down and go in the bathroom, and I'm like, okay, where do we go? He like, okay, let's go this way. So we're running. Keep in mind, this is supposed to be a 45-minute run. 45-minute run. Two hours later, we finally make it back to the parking lot where everybody is. Two hours later, this guy had no idea where he was going. No idea where he was going. And see, the thing is, in our own life, we need to know where we're going. Are we pointing people on a path to Christ? Or are we pointing people on a path to death? In Proverbs twelve twenty six, it says, The righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And we're going to be coming back to that all night tonight. This idea that if we want to be good friends, guys, we're going to point people to Jesus. So how, how do we know we're pointing others to Jesus? How do we know we're, we're on this path to righteousness? Well, we're going to examine four traits tonight. Four traits that are going to point people on this path to Jesus. And the first trait that we're going to look at tonight is honesty. First thing we're going to look at tonight is honesty. Now, I need to know, I mean, I think I already know the answer, but... Um, how many people like being lied to? How many, how many people enjoy being lied to? Anybody in here enjoy being lied to? And anyone? You, you, oh, depends how you look. <laughs> well, you see, the Bible's pretty explicit. The Bible's pretty explicit in saying that God, God hates dishonesty. God hates lying. God hates deceit. In Proverbs 12, 19, a little bit before where we just were, just a couple verses earlier, it says, truthful lips will establish, be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. A little earlier in Proverbs, in Proverbs 6, it says, a worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. Therefore, his calamity... Will come suddenly. Instantly, he will be broken and there will be no healing. And a little later on, if you look at that passage in verse 27, it says that lying is one of the seven abominations that God just hates. So I don't think you have to be too deep of a theologian to make the conclusion that God really doesn't like lying. In fact, he abhors it, he hates lying. And remember, I just asked did any of you guys say you like, enjoy being lied to by your friends? No. And that's because we're made in God's image. So inherently, we aren't too fond of being lied to either. But see, our, our hatred of honesty, or our, our hatred of, lie, of lying and dishonesty, it's a little different than God's. See, we hate being lied to, but how many people in here have ever told a lie? If you're not raising your hand, then you just told a lie, and you can raise your hand now. <laughs> exactly. Everybody in here has told a lie. Everybody in here has told a lie. So if we hate being lied to, why do we still lie to people? Why do we still lie to people? If we hate being lied to, why do we still lie to people? And the answer is our sin. You see, lying kills relationships. It kills them from starting, and it can kill them in the middle of a relationship as well. I had a a friend in high school. Well, he really wasn't a friend. He was kind of just this guy I knew. He he ran track with me, and he was one of those people that, like, he just told stories just to hear his own breath. Do you guys know people like that? Okay. You couldn't. And the thing is, is no one wanted to be his friend because he just told stories all the time, and no one believed anything he ever said. Like, one time, he was like, he came back from a cruise, and we were like, where was your cruise? And he's like... Dude, I went on this cruise in Alaska, and it was awesome, dude. We were able to climb Mount Everest. <laughs> we were like, you do know Mount Everest isn't in Alaska, right? Well, it was like, it was like Mount Everest. It was Mount Everest-esque. It was, it was like it, but me and my family, we climbed it together. You guys climbed a mountain? Well, we didn't, like, climb it. Like, my mom rented a Jetta. And what we did was like, we, we went and like we drove up the mountain and then we got to the top and took pictures. Oh, so you, you climbed Mount Everest. That's what you did. So because this dude always lied, he always made these stories, he, no one really wanted to get close with him. Because when you got close, if you got close with him, how would you know if he was telling you just what you wanted to hear or if he was really sincere? You didn't know. Lying and dishonesty diminish our chances of building relationships, with, building relationships with people. Lying also can kill a relationship that's already started and that's already been nurtured. Uh, one of my best friends in high school, uh, when I was freshman, freshman year, he liked this girl a lot and wanted to ask her to homecoming. So he did what every guy does when he wants to ask a girl to homecoming. He got one of our friends to ask her for him. <laughs> but he, no, he wanted to know. He's like, dude, I don't want to ask her and get denied, so... He goes to my friend Felix, he goes, Felix, could you, could you just like ask her, you have a class with her, could you just like see if she like is into me, if she'll say yes, what she's feeling. Felix is like, yeah, I'll do that for you, man. Well, Felix had to hit an agenda. See, either, instead of him going to the girl and asking her if she wanted to go to the dance with Hendrix, he went ahead and asked if she wanted to go to the dance with him. Yeah. Ooh. So he comes back to Hendrix and we're, um, we're all, we're at my house because we all literally lived in my house in high school. And he's like, and Sandra's so like, dude, what did she say? What, 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 like, what happened? What did she say? Well, like, I was going to class, and then the principal, like, saw me in the hallway, and I had to go do this thing, so I, I didn't get to ask her, so. But you should just, just, just ask her. I feel like she likes you, and I feel like that she will go with you. So just, just ask her. Oh, okay, so if you, you really feel like that, yeah, man, I, mean, I spent all the time with her. I feel like she'll, she'll say yes. Well, as you can tell, she didn't say yes to him. And that little lie he told the little lie he told for himself killed that friendship. To this day, that was six years ago. Six years ago. And my friend Hendrix won't talk to that guy to this day. It destroyed that friendship. They were best friends. We had this, like, you all have these, like, groups of friends you all just roll around with and hang out with. He was part of our crew. And then he just stopped hanging out with us. Because this lie, this dishonest trait that Felix had destroyed that relationship. That's what lying and dishonesty does. It's destructive. It hurts and it kills people inside. It kills relationships. It can kill them before they even start and it can kill them while they're in full blossom. But we still, like, we still lie. We all just said that we have been lied to and yet we still lie. Why? Why do we still lie? And the reason why we still lie is because. We're focusing on ourselves. We're not focusing on them. We're not focusing on Christ. We're focusing on our own gain. See, Felix, he was focusing on his gain, who he was going to get to go to the dance. And see, if we want to be friends, real friends, loving friends, are going to point people to Jesus. You're not pointing someone to Jesus. You're pointing them to yourself when you lie. You're pointing them to yourself. And that takes us to our next Next big character trait. The next big thing that when we apply it to friendship, it'll point someone to Jesus, and that's selflessness. Selflessness. It's a big long word. Selflessness. Like the Loch Ness monster. Selflessness. Selflessness. And um, that says selflessness. Just, just act like it says selflessness. Okay. <laughs> For the entire duration of Christ's ministry, hey, for Christ's whole ministry here on earth, he called us to do one thing, and that was to die to ourselves. In Luke 9.23, this is a passage we've heard many a times in church. Many a times in church, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Because we're followers of Christ, we're called to take the back burner. We're called to be in second. We're called to put others before us. We're supposed to die to ourselves here on this earth and put others before us because I mean, let's be honest, people want to know that you care about them. Am I right? People want to know that you, they mean something to you. But how are you going to do that if all you're caring about is your own selfish gain and your, your, your own satisfaction? You're not. And if we're going to point people to Jesus, if we're being selfish, what, where are we bringing the attention if we're being selfish? Ourselves. We're not pointing others to Christ. We're not leading our neighbor. We're not pointing them to Jesus. We're pointing them to ourselves again, just like with dishonesty. And it's like hard for us, you know? It's, it's not easy to like not worry about yourself. Am I right? It's difficult. And the reason why is because we got this thing. Anybody heard of it? It's called sin. And sin forces us and traps us in this idea that it's all about us. And see, that's why this is, this is a battle. Because not only do we have like this, this internal sin that we're born with, we have the media, we have everything that we see in school and on TV, all of it saying, yourself, yourself, yourself. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Jesus is saying, you, you know, you're taking the back seat. When we're selfless, we point others to Jesus. My dad, um, my dad is probably the biggest role model my, I've ever had in my entire life. He's, he's been there when I've messed up. He's been there when I've done good things. And he's always been there to point me to Jesus. And it's, it's, I've been so, so blessed to have a, a, a father that in his life exemplifies what it is he says he believes. And um, when I was, uh, when my dad was 20, he was my age he started working at this company and he was just a lowly little dude getting paid minimum wage making copies and he worked his way up he worked hard he worked hard and eventually he was offered the chance to be an owner of this company but the stipulation was look we want you to be an owner you've worked here for so long you're a huge resource and vital to this company but We're moving the company to Florida. So my dad prayed about it, and our family prayed about it, and he decided the best thing for our family would be for us to move to Florida, for him to pursue this new season in life. So we get down there, and it's great. I mean, I'm feeling like, I mean, I'm a seventh grader. I'm like, my dad's an owner of a company. I'm going to be, like, getting a BMW for my 16th birthday. I'm stoked for this. And so I'm all happy and, and fired up for that. We're there a week. My dad signed, my dad, the company gets signed over to him. We're there a week. My dad comes home bawling his eyes out, crying. And we, we I, what, why are you crying, dad? You cry? Like, I've never seen you cry before. And they didn't tell me then. I've, I've, they've told me since then, but this is what happened. Without being told, um, uh, The people who were running the company ran it into the ground and took a lot of the money that the company had and gave it to my dad when it was almost completely bankrupt. So a week into into having this job, he gets this job, this company that's practically bankrupt. And he's he's told, fix it. He doesn't know what to do. He's angry at these people for doing this to him. They didn't even give him a heads up. They just did it to him. Well, my dad worked hard. They got some consulting with different banks and ended up the company was able to get out from the ground and they're back and they're steady and they're they're a healthy company now. And about a year ago, my dad got a phone call. And this phone call was from one of the previous owners who had ran this company into the ground, who had not talked to my dad in six years, had had no contact with him whatsoever. He calls him and he's like, I know that you don't want to hear this right now, but I'm really struggling and I've lost all my money And I just need a a job. He's like, I'll be a janitor. I'll do whatever I can. I just need something. And I didn't know who else to call. So my dad, this guy almost ruined my dad's life. My parents' marriage was so strained in those years because of the stress. Our family was strained. Everything changed. And it was all because of this previous owner. And now he's asking my dad for a job? What is his logic? What is he thinking? But my dad, man... Without skipping a beat, he says, yes, absolutely, absolutely. We're actually in need of this position, and you can fill it because of your experience. Without even skipping a beat. And the guy was like, my dad said the guy was just kind of thrown, and he was like, R- really? I didn't really expect you to give me something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we could really use you. And my dad said, but I have a question. He's like, why, why did you call me? Out of all people, why would you call me? And the guy said something. That my dad told me that he'll never forget. And my dad, he hates like, he hates talking about himself, but I'm so glad he told me this. He said, the guy told him that, well, you're one of those Christians that I thought was real. And I heard real Christians don't care about themselves. And my dad, like he wasn't even thinking that way. It was just natural to him because he's done it his whole life. When he could have told this guy off, tell him, no, go get your own job. Look what you did to me. Look what you did to my family. Instead of doing that, he opened and welcomed the guy with open arms. Who do you think the guy saw in that story? Do you see my dad or do you see Jesus? Jesus. He saw Jesus. We're called to be selfless, we're called to regard others higher than ourselves. And our third point is we're called to be honest. We need to be selfless but we're also called to be encouraging. And that time, um, after the whole situation happened with my dad and that man, um, my dad got a lot of phone calls from him. His marriage was failing. His kids hated him. There was a lot of stuff going on in this guy's life. Never once did my dad deny one of those phone calls. Every single time, he would be in his room for hours on end, and I knew he was talking to him. Because he would tell us, oh, I'm going to be in my room for a while. He was encouraging the entire time. And look, in order to point someone to Jesus, we're going to be a friend that's going to encourage them. Because this life is full of sin and a lot of bad choices that we make because we're sinful. And with those bad choices come consequences. And with those consequences, a lot of times come heartache. But we can't do it alone, and we can't expect others to do it alone. And um, we need to realize that we're called to be encouraging in two separate ways, okay? The first way we're going to look at it is going to be in Ephesians 4. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 4. The first way we're going to look at it is going to be in Ephesians 4. And this is kind of the everyday, kind of the everyday type thing. Okay, look in Ephesians 4 in verse 29. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and he's saying, look, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such... As is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. We're, s- we're to encourage others, not put them down. Look in verse 29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. Look, we are not people who are going to talk bad about others. We are believers in Jesus Christ. I I don't know if you guys have ever read the Bible, but I've never found anywhere in the Bible where Jesus was like, Peter, Peter, dude, did you hear about what John was doing yesterday? Did you hear about that? Wait, no, he didn't do that. Okay, dude, I think he did. No, Jesus didn't have any corrupt talk come out of his mouth. We are not, as believers, we are not to talk about others in a negative way. Because what's our goal? To point people to Jesus. And how do we point people? We don't point people to Jesus by talking bad about them. And there's like this internal struggle because you're like, oh, I mean, like, if I say like this little funny comment about this dude, I mean, people are going to probably laugh and it'll probably like, make me popular or something like that. No. We are called to encourage others not to put others down. We're not supposed to diminish others in any way. We're supposed to encourage them. Look in verse 32. It says we need to be kind to one another. Encourage one another in kindness and in gentleness. So that's the everyday, the day-to-day, how you talk about others, how you interact with people. Treat them with kindness, encouraging them. But then there's kind of the darker side of encouraging, the side that's difficult. And that's encouraging Encouraging someone when they've, they've messed up. Because let's face it, we mess up and other people mess up. And we need someone just as bad in our life when we mess up as others need in their life when they mess up. We need to, we need to be people that can go to someone when they make a mistake, slap them on the side of the head, and be like, you know, you messed up. But I still love you. Jesus still loves you. And we're going to get through this. Because do you want a friend that every time something bad happens or every time you make a mistake, they're like, dude, I don't want to be around you anymore. Do you know what you did? No. Do we want that? No, we don't. Um, about, a, about a year ago, messed up big time. Messed up big time. I just did something stupid. And I was, I was so, so afraid to tell my friends who were believers Like I could tell like my friends who weren't believers and I really wasn't scared about what they thought. But my friends who were believers who I was closest with, I was so afraid to tell them. Have you guys ever done something that you're just like don't want anybody to know about? Because like if people know about that, they're going to think completely differently about me. That's how I was. That's the position that I was in. But finally, I knew that I needed to confess. I knew I needed to get this off my chest because I needed help. I needed help. So... I went to a really good buddy of mine named Trey. And I was like, I just, I need to talk to you, man. So I sat him down, told him what happened. And he didn't sit there and say, well, you know, in the Bible it says this, this. He didn't sit there and say, well, dude, I can't believe you did that. All he told me was, well, I still love you. Jesus still loves you. What do you think we need to do next, Chris? And it, like, threw me because I thought that he was going to, like, start quoting Scripture at me. And, like, tell me, like, how wrong it was and how I need to, like, completely change because I'm going so far away from God and all this stuff. But no. He goes, I love you, man. I love you. And then he said, like, when we left, we got done talking. He goes, goes, Chris, you know that I'm going to love you no matter what you do. And that, like, that's really made me respect him a lot as a person. And as I was reflecting this week, And God was just putting things on my heart to talk about tonight. He put that memory on my heart. And I thought about that. And I'm like, he loves me no matter what I do. Who else loves me no matter what I do? Jesus. Jesus. And that's the last thing. The last aspect and last character trait that I want to go over tonight is love. But not, I'm not talking like love like Hey girl, it's Valentine's Day, let's go out on a date, love. I'm talking loving like Christ. Loving like Jesus. And if you noticed, I didn't list that. Because all these traits, they fall under this umbrella of loving like Jesus. They fall under that umbrella because Jesus exemplified every single one of these traits when he was here on earth. And he still exemplifies them to this day. Honesty, selflessness, encouragement. Jesus is the ultimate honest person. He's the ultimate definition of selflessness and is the ultimate example of being encouraging. He's the ultimate example. And when we love like Christ loves us, those things fall into place breaking them each down one by one. Look at honesty. Jesus says in John 14, he says, I am the way, the the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus exemplifies. He embodies truth itself. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. Jesus is the truth. The gospel. Jesus is truth. In Hebrews 6.18, it talks about how God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And since Jesus is God, Jesus cannot lie as well. Jesus exemplifies honesty in every aspect of his life here on earth. And he still is honest to this day. He has never broken a promise. He has never deceived you. He, will, he is the epitome of being honest. He keeps his word. He keeps his covenants. He keeps his promises. Which leads us to Jesus is the most selfless person to ever walk this earth. Ever. In Philippians 2, Paul is talking to the church in in Philippi, and he's like, look, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. For though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. It's so hard for us to be selfless because we cannot be humble naturally. Our sin doesn't allow it. But Jesus, it says he humbled himself into the position of a slave to serve us. And then he humbles himself to die for us. This is the most selfless act mankind has ever seen and ever will see. Jesus coming to earth as a man and dying for your sins, even though you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We don't deserve the love and selfless, selfless act that Jesus did. And neither do any of your friends, neither do anybody that you meet. They don't deserve for you to be selfless. But you don't deserve what Jesus did for you because of how selfish you are. You don't deserve what Jesus did to you because of your sin, but Jesus still did it. Jesus still did it. He exemplified selflessness in its greatest form. So how can we avoid being selfless to others who make us mad or lie to us or betray us? Because we lie... And we mess up and we betray God every single day. But he still died for us. He still went to the cross for us. Jesus exemplifies honesty. He exemplifies selflessness. And Jesus is the ultimate form of encouragement. He's the ultimate form of encouragement. Jesus' message is is a message of comfort. He, He didn't come, as many people might think, This world would be like, look, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong. He came to this earth to save us because he loves us that much. We sing that song. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. The love of Christ never fails. It never gives up and it never runs out. What's more encouraging than that? What's more encouraging when this is happening in your life and this is happening and this person's doing this to you and and my parents aren't doing this and and, I thought this person was my friend and I'm I'm getting this grade in school. What's more comforting than to know that Jesus still loves you? There's nothing more comforting than that. So we as believers, if we're going to be in a friendship that's going to point someone to Jesus, we're called to comfort them just like Jesus comforts us. All these things fall under this umbrella of loving people like Jesus loved us. Because when we love people the way Jesus loved us, all these and more just fall right under that. And they become natural in that idea of loving others. And then we become a real friend because a real friend is one who's going to point others to Jesus. You're going to point your friends to Jesus. In any relationship you're in, if you're a son, if you're a daughter, if you're a student, the best way that you can live out that relationship is to point whoever you're in a relationship with to Jesus. That's the greatest act of love you can ever do on this earth is point others to Jesus. Nothing else compares to that because everything on this world is fleeting. Everything on this world is fleeting. I'll close with this. These things, they don't come naturally to us. They take discipline and they take hard work, and they take daily, daily, daily discipline. like in that video we saw, Rocky was working out every day. And if you notice at the beginning of that video, he's struggling to get those weights up, but at the end, he's putting them up. and he's running up that hill. It's not easy, but we got this helper. His name's Jesus. And when we just love others the way he loved us, as it's put in the Bible, in this book, when we love others just as he loved us, we're going to point others to Jesus. Jesus said in John 15 that we are commanded to love others as he has loved us. What other way to point your friends to Jesus than to love them like Jesus loved them? Because when you love them the way Jesus loved them, you portray Jesus the way he's supposed to be portrayed and they see Jesus, and you've got them to Jesus naturally. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you've put people in our lives, God. I thank you that you've put people older than us, people younger than us, people our age, people of all differences, and unique qualities, God, you put all these people in our, our lives and our worlds for a reason, God. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will love them like you have loved us, Lord. I pray each and every one of us will point our friends, be a real friend to them and point them to you and to nothing else. Not ourselves, not the things we do, but we point our friends to you, Jesus. But I pray for strength for every single person in this room because we know it's difficult and we know it's hard. But God, I know that through your strength and your ability, you make it possible for us to love the way you have. I ask us all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys are dismissed. We will see you guys next week.